Juan Mata will score for Manchester United. Falls back to Fellaini. There's Mata. It's in. The final has come to life. Juan Mata has United level. Mata. It's brilliant. Juan Mata scores for Manchester United. His second of the game. And that was perfection. Mata. Sensational goal. Sensational. One matter's got two, and that is one of the great United goals at Anfield. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United podcast. I am joined by Maisie. Sam, unfortunately, is not here today. Yep, unfortunate. Big loss for us, but I think we'll get through it together. Uh, Maisie, we'll what do you fine. think? Uh, dream team. <laughs> dream team. Uh, our guest today is Juan Mata. Looking forward to it. I really am. I think he is the second or first or second signing post Sir Alex mm-hmm. he's worked with all the managers so I'm really looking forward to to, um, to getting his, his thoughts and his um, his stories behind all that so yeah really he looking always comes to across as such obviously on the pitch we know he's an intelligent player but you know off the pitch he really mm-hmm. comes across that way too and I think he could be a real leader in that dressing room does he come across that way to you? he does he does and I think with so many young kids as well that have just come into the team this, this season He's sort of like the father figure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that he'll have been in that position as well when he was at Real Madrid. And um, and I just think, you know, the stories he'll have, you know, he's won everything. I think the only thing he hasn't won is a Premier League. But yeah. And there's still yeah. time for that. I, absolutely. Maybe not this season, but certainly next season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to it. World Cup winner. Wow. Don't, don't come much better than that. And are you looking forward to the tapas? Because of course... We'll be in one's yeah. restaurant. Oh, well, of course, yeah. Do you like a bit of tapas? Oh, I love, it. I, I love tapas. Patata bra- bravas? <laughs> Patatas bravas. Yes, I like a little bit of that. Uh, those things that you like. Those, little croquette. Um, love the, the croquette. croquettes. Oh, yeah, the cheese and ham. They're absolutely fantastic. See what else is available. Good food and good chat. That's what we're good looking food, forward to. Good drink and a good chat. I am delighted to say we are joined by Juan Mata, and I'll let you introduce your restaurant. Thank you very much for the welcome. We are in Tapeo and Wine, at the heart of Manchester, I will say, in Dinsgate, a Spanish restaurant, of course, and owned by my dad, a place that I like to come and enjoy the food and the company. I bring here some teammates and friends, and it's it's a nice place for everyone that wants to come. Very nice indeed, and it's nice for you to have that little part of your community in the city centre too? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it was very important for my dad. Yeah. It was his idea and he's a curious and busy man. So he always wants to do some projects and he found this place, which I think is a very good location Perfect. and he likes to eat his food. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he did a <laughs> Spanish restaurant and we are very happy with the welcome that uh, Manchester has given to the restaurant and with all the people that comes here because there is a lot of, of course, football-related people, mm-hmm. uh, fans and players and managers, they come here. But uh, yeah, I hope you are enjoying it. We did, we enjoyed Maisie definitely enjoyed his food. All right, all right. Give it out. So you're here for the podcast. Firstly, do you listen to podcasts? Yes, uh, yes, yes, I listen to podcasts, uh, especially... The Last year, mm-hmm. I think it's something that it became very trendy and a lot of people now, when they are on the train or before sleeping or when they are driving, long drives, they, they listen to podcasts and, uh, and it's nice. And it's nice for you to do it. And I've seen a few with Eric, which was a very, very good, good one. Yeah. And I think so many people is enjoying them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, it's great to have you on. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, go back to the start then. Talk to us about growing up in your childhood. I was born in Spain. I was born in Burgos. Uh, my sister and me were born in Burgos. Uh, my dad was playing football professionally in that town. So we were born there, but we were raised in Asturias, which is north of Spain. I have connection with Burgos because part of my dad's family is from there, but it was only a coincidence that he was playing at the time there. So we okay. were born. It's like if uh, I have a baby now, he will be born in Manchester. But, yeah. Uh, and so we were raised in Asturias, in the north coast of Spain, in the town of Oviedo. And all I can remember is me playing football, of course, because of my dad. He was a big influence and I used to go with him to his trainings and games. So I always had a ball in my mind and in my feet. And from then I started to play 
in some teams in Oviedo. Uh, a team called La Fresneda was my first team after second team was Juventud Estadio and I was around seven, eight years old. And then when I was 12, I joined Real Oviedo Academy, which mm -hmm. at the time for me was like winning the Champions League because every kid in my town wanted to play for Oviedo. So yeah, it was a happy childhood, playing mm -hmm. football, studying, making a very strong group of, group of friends. We are seven friends in my core group from the school since we were three or four until now. So, uh, Did any of them make football? No, one no. of them played handball. Okay. Professionally, he's two meters and very strong. Uh, no, we used how to. Did play you, how did you find that growing up as a, as a young kid? Because obviously, you're not very tall yourself. No. Was it tough? No. No. No, it wasn't tough. Uh, it was okay. Skillful. Yeah, I was. We started playing football in in the school, and I remember how my sister, which is two years older than me, she was two courses above me, and her friends used to call her to call me to play with them. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm doing so something you knew you right. Were good, yeah. <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm doing something right here. But my my height was never a problem. No, oh. specifically in football. I think yeah. if you play basketball, of course. Yeah. But in football, uh, I don't think it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you talked about your dad being a massive influence. I must mention Juan's dad is here. Um, yeah. You talked about him being a big influence. Do you? Is that? I suppose when you were a child, you thought, well, that's the only thing I'm going to be because that's the only thing you knew. No, um, it was my dream. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be a professional football player. That was my dream, to play in, in La Liga in Spain. Uh, he's played for many years in second division but and he promoted twice to La Liga, but he never managed to play. Mm -hmm. So my inner motivation was, okay, I want to do that. I want to try to make my family proud and play in the first division in Spain. And that's it. Uh, and of course, uh, thankfully, my career has overcome my expectations. But... Just they, slightly. They, they <laughs> always uh, were very serious about, you know, it's very difficult to become a professional yeah. football player. So keep studying, keep being responsible off the pitch because you never know if you're going to make it. What would you have been had you not been a footballer? <sighs> Probably will have studied mm -hmm. something like uh, psychology or uh, I like also marketing and advertising, maybe in regards to sport. Mm -hmm. Because you did go on in later years to do sports science. Yes, correct? I did sports science and marketing. I didn't finish. Uh, I think I have three or four subjects remaining. Mm -hmm. But um, will you go back into that to finish? Or? You know, I don't think I'll, I'll uh, actually use it. But I want to finish. Yeah. 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 For yourself. Yeah, yeah. If I've done that long, almost finishing. And I only have the last push. I, I would like to finish it, but I have to be back in Madrid okay. to, you know, to connect more with the with the subjects and everything. But uh, yeah, I always loved football. But uh, if I wouldn't, if I if I wasn't a footballer, I probably would be living in Madrid with my friends. Mm -hmm. There, one is a lawyer, one is a one is working in economics. The other one is an engineer. So probably will be doing something with them. So you had a very happy childhood and obviously football was the main thing for you. When did it start to get really serious, your footballing career? Um, was it at 12 when you mentioned there? At 12 it was a big step, but I would say at 15. At 15 yeah. I was playing for Real Oviedo. I was living uh, with my family. Uh, for the last 10 years I was in the same school with my with my friends. But when I was 15 I, I left to Madrid. Uh, so that was the biggest step in my career at that point I had to leave my family my comfort zone yeah. how and far away is that from where you were living uh, it's uh, I would say four hours drive it's not very far but when you're 15 and you are moved away from your yes. family and your friends it's a bit of a change yes a long way and so and did you know anybody at Madrid at the time I was joined by one teammate from Oviedo so we both so went to Real Madrid at the same time because I, I went to Madrid to play for Real Madrid Academy yeah. So at the same time, we were both of them joining. And I remember the trip, which is four hours drive. And it was with my dad, his dad, him and me. And I was terrified. I was very, very afraid of not being good enough, mm -hmm. of not uh, knowing what was going to happen and new surroundings and everything. But after the first day, I realized that we were 30 or 40 guys in the same situation. Yeah. We were living in a school, in a residence in a school. So it felt like a camp. Uh, but for the whole year, 
and it was very enjoyable. And of course, I missed my family and my friends, but they used to come yeah. very often every weekend. So it was it was good. I did. I did. I was similar. I, I had to leave where I live. I'm North Manchester. Yeah. I had to go and live with a family in Blackburn. Yeah. And it is. It's so daunting. Cause How old? I was uh, just left school, 16. 16, same. 16, seven, 17, 18, yeah. and turned pro, and yeah. I could drive them. So, yeah. yeah it's a big it's change at the yeah, time. It's huge, yeah. huge. So, you moved to Real Madrid's youth setup. By the way, I have to ask, who was your team when you were. I used to be a big supporter of I am Real Oviedo, which is my, yeah. my home team. So, uh, I used to go to the games and. And I used to suffer with the relegations. Uh, <laughs> we had a few in the last years, but now we are in second division fighting to promote to first division. So that's my team. Yeah. You still support them now, yeah? Yeah. yeah. So you went to uh, the youth setup. What was that like? Obviously, you said you were nervous, but how long did it take you to settle in? One day. <laughs> One day. As soon as I met my new teammates, uh, which they were living in the same situation as me, we had the... A very nice teacher taking care of us, and he was responsible for our, you know, hours to mm-hmm. study after after the school and after training late at night. I remember we had a. What was it, your what was your, like your schedule for the week? Yeah, it was it was a, so a busy routine because we we studied in the morning, we had lunch in the school, mm-hmm. we had we studied a little bit after lunch, then we traveled to train. It was a bit far at the time, and it was a traffic in Madrid at those times, so. It took one and a half hours to get to training. We trained at around eight in the evening. So we finished at 9.30, something like yeah. that. We'll be yeah. back. A long day. So yeah. we had, yeah, we had dinner. And then after dinner, I think it was at 11.15 or something like that, we had to have uh, compulsory studying time. Like, 11? Yeah, until midnight. <laughs> what? Yeah, so that's the way it we do in Spain. must have been That's Spain. Um, what was that in comparison to what it was like for you as a youth? We, we, well, we had to be in at nine o'clock in the morning. We had, have, I had three professionals. So I'd clean his boots, make sure his kit's out, the towels and the balls are ready for training. They come back in, you have to clean the kit, clean the bath, clean the toilets. I'd be away for 2.30. Yeah, I think that's yeah. tougher, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you've won the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was nice, it was enjoyable. And at the time, you don't realise, no? Because you're playing football, you're yeah. studying, and everything goes very quick. And was that for that? That was for 12 months? That was, that was for... 15 to 16, would it be? That was from 15 to 16, from 16 to 17, and from 17 to 18. So three yeah. years in that school. And then when I finished uh, compulsory studies then you can choose what you do. Mm-hmm. And I kept studying, but I was living, when I was 18 to 19, I was living in a flat in Madrid. Oh, so right. life completely yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're living you in free. a gate. Yeah, and you were free, yeah. And at that time at Real Madrid, obviously so many big names mm. there at the time. Was that quite daunting? Yeah, it was incredible. I remember being in the training ground of Real Madrid, which at the time was being built, the new one. And uh, they had a pool area like we have in Carrington. And there was a lift that came from the first dressing room to the lift. And we from the academy, we yeah. came from a different way. And I remember being in the pool, waiting for the lift to come down. And as soon as we heard the lift coming, we were like, who's going to come? And, and at the time when I was playing in the Real Madrid under 23s, in the first team, there was Beckham, uh, Zidane, Ronaldo, Figo, Raul. Casillas, Roberto Carlos, like one of the greatest teams wow. ever. So that lift was our dream. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and we were waiting there for them. And they were very nice. And we shared pool and conversations. It was very good. Did you ever train with them? Yes. It, yeah. I trained with them a few times. There was a trip that we did, a few of us from the under-23s. We went to the, a Champions League game in Kiev. They were qualified already. It was the, yeah. it was the last game of the group so you normally bring yeah. kids so we went there um, I didn't play but I was in the tr- in the trip with them and I remember it was a long trip from Madrid to Kiev and I was seated by Ruth Van Nistelrooy yeah. which obviously we know very well yeah. and he was very nice to me he was giving me very good advices and you know being very responsible to me and in the opposite uh, from the hotel to training the next day when we were going to train, I was seated just in front of Cassano, Antonio mm-hmm. Cassano. You remember that Italian mm-hmm. striker? And he was telling me the complete opposite things, <laughs> the parties that he's done in Italy. And the, 
And he's like, after 10 minutes of speaking to me, he said, what's your name? And I said, Mata. He said, don't do anything that I've just told you to do and you will have a career. And so it was, it was a good lesson for me yeah. both and, and the whole experience, it was great. Because you've been through that setup as a youth as well, do you ever give advice to the young players at the Aeon Training Complex when you see them? Yeah, yeah, um, I like to do. So, um, do they listen? Uh, if I tell them the Casano story, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they seem to listen. Yeah. There is, you know, we have a lot of young players in the in the squad, yeah. and not only in our squad, but coming through the ranks. The under twenty three, they train a lot of times with us, and they have nice guys in there. So whenever they want to speak, I'm I'm here for them yeah. to tell them my experiences and my opinions about that big step that they are about to make and mm -hmm. is you know is a little margin what makes yeah. them come to the first team or not because the expectations and the responsibility when you play for a club like Manchester United in the first team they're so so big so yeah I'm here for them and I hope they know it yeah that's good you talk about the big step I suppose the next big step for you then was going to Valencia how hard yeah. of a decision was that to make yeah it wasn't a easy decision um, I was nine and then my contract was ending with Real Madrid and so I had a call from Valencia sports director Amadeo Carboni telling me that even though I only had been playing in second division they wanted me for the first team they wanted me to play in first division and they believed in me and so uh, it wasn't easy because leaving Real Madrid is never easy it's like leaving Manchester United yeah. or a big club like that uh, but at the time my family and me, we thought it was the best uh, move that I could do. It's difficult for any academy player of a big mm. club, yeah. you know, to find the time and the patience to play in the mm -hmm. first team. So we, we took that decision and um, I went to Valencia. And to be honest, in the beginning, it wasn't easy. Uh, I remember I didn't play a lot in the first months. I was out of the squad and I was the man left out. What do you think that was? Just... It was the change of scenery, change no, of. It, it was just due to how competitive was yeah. the the squad. I had in my position, I had players that they've been in Valencia for many years: Vicente, Gavilan, very nice left-footed players. And so I was only 19. Mm -hmm. I was the last one to arrive, and I had to wait for my time. And I played one game against Almeria. That was my debut, and my dream came through, as I told you before. But I. Supposedly, I didn't play very good because I didn't play after for the next five <laughs> weeks. And um, we changed manager. Uh, Ronald Kuman arrived. And since he arrived, to be honest, he was very supportive to me. He told me, listen, I'm seeing you in training. I think you can play. Believe in yourself and play the, way, the same way you're training and you will be fine. And he put me in the team. I scored one goal or in two games in a row. And since then... To be honest, everything changed. And yeah. it was so he basically a, was so instrumental in your career then? He was key. It's incredible. Just so we'll just, uh, it's just a fine margin. Yeah, you know? and as you said earlier. There's on. a manager that believes yeah. in you one day and then it keeps the faith in you. You do well yeah. and then your career can be changed for yeah. the good and the opposite. If you, yeah, of course. at the moment of your career, you find a manager that doesn't believe in you, it can be difficult. And your confidence obviously is sky high at that point. It was because I saw myself performing and you know reaching the level that I wanted to to reach, scoring goals and we won at the end of that year we won the Copa del Rey like winning the FA Cup, and so since that moment I established myself as mm -hmm. a starter and a few months after I went to the national team and everything was going my direction. Uh, I had fantastic four years in in Valencia to be honest uh, since my debut to winning the World Cup with Spain at the same time that I was playing in Valencia and uh, scoring, assisting, improving a lot and also becoming more mature as, yeah. as a man, you know, because I was 19 and from 19 to 22 is also a very yeah, important very age for years, that. Yeah. 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 The couple away in that time as well, that was obviously a big achievement for you. How delighted were you with that? Yeah, it was the first trophy that I that I won professionally. Um, we were struggling <coughs> sorry, in La Liga. We were in the middle of the table, going down. But that Copa del Rey saved our table, mm -hmm. our uh, season. And um, I scored in that final also with my head, which is not very usual. <laughs> um, and so it was the first big game of my career, playing the Copa del Rey final, scoring, winning, and yeah, living the dream. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. So good. So good. <laughs> and what age was you then? 19? That was Ni- your first trophy? 19, yeah. 19. And obviously your, your career is totally littered with so many trophies and... To be honest, from, from 19 until 24, something like that, everything was perfect. Yeah. Um, I went to the national team with t- 20 years old. <clears throat> we were winners of the World Cup with 22 winners of the Europe Championship with 24. Could you actually believe, think to yourself, when you, obviously I know when you look back, you, you remember it all, but at do the time... Do you remember? <laughs> I, I do remember, yeah. but at the time I, I wasn't aware. You just take... Yeah, yeah, you just, you know, you play, keep Game, winning, yeah, winning, yeah, yeah. winning, and you, you feel like, okay, this is normal. But after that, you realise it's not normal at, no. all, at all. I was very lucky to be in a great generation of players for the national mm-hmm. team. Uh, it was a joy to a joy to go there. It was like a family, and also winning and playing good football and enjoying. And it was all perfect, but obviously, it didn't last forever, like everything in life. Sure. Yeah. So it, now it makes you appreciate it even more when you win, mm-hmm. because at the time when you're winning all the time, you feel like routinary. But that's not that's not the way. And uh, do you ever look back and watch the games? Actually, I I don't. No. No, I, sometimes when they put them on TV or, you know, they put big games or Champions yeah. League final or whatever, I watch them. But I don't think myself I ever did, I'm going to watch this game, I'm no. going to put it myself. No. Uh, Do you maybe watch I your own games back now? <laughs> yes, we, like football has changed also and mm-hmm. we have many people helping us. So we have a great group of analysis persons yeah. uh, and they send us our resume of the game when we touch the ball when we defend and when we interfere with the, with the game and that's good to I, I like to see it because I think sometimes an image speaks more than a thousand yeah, yeah. words and it helps me yeah so when did the rumours about a move to England um, come about then? Uh, it came on the summer of 2011 2000 and the season 2011 2012 um did you used to, uh, you used to watch the Premier League? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. used to watch the Premier League. They used to they always used to put the Premier League games in Spain in the channel called uh, Two Channel. Yeah. It was big in Spain, national channel. And every Sunday, every Saturday, every Sunday, they used to put the early kickoff mm-hmm. in England, which is very unusual for Spanish. Yeah. And so I used to watch it all the time. And I knew the Spanish players that had come to the Premier League before yeah. me and. And so I had a connection there, and and when I was in Valencia in 2011, I had renewed my contract for more years with with Valencia, and that was my aim, to stay Mm -hmm. there after four years and keep uh, trying to improve. Uh, But I had a chance to go to Chelsea uh, at the end of the transfer market, to be honest, in the last week, I believe. And my mind was already uh, thinking about staying. I, I, you know, I, there, there had been some rumors before, but I said, no, I don't want to go here or there. I'm not mm-hmm. going to say the clubs. Liverpool. I want, to <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay in Valencia. We know Liverpool was one of them. It, at that time. Yeah, was it? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't recall. It's typical, that's typical of our research, getting it wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recall. But um, anyway, in the last week of the, of the transfer, uh, I got a call from Chelsea. Valencia at that time was struggling with money, also the mm-hmm. club, and so Chelsea did a great offer, and I also felt okay. Now, yes, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a good time maybe for me to move. Was anybody at Chelsea that Fernando Torres? Yeah, and he had a big say in it, did he? Or? Yes, he. We were close friends from the national team, yeah. so he called me. Uh, he said, "Come here, you will love it. You will be important. You will love life in London." Mm-hmm. It opened my mind. He said. It makes you appreciate football in a different way. It also makes you develop as a player because you have to adapt to the English football. Yeah, yeah. So many positives, and I took the chance, and and I decided that I wanted to go and start a new chapter in my life. And and to be honest, unlike in Valencia, since the first day, it was quite positive because mm-hmm. in my debut, did you find it easy settling in into it, life in London? Very much. Yeah. Uh, and I think what happens on the pitch also helps. Yeah. So. In my first game, I arrived on a Thursday and I played on a Sunday and I scored a goal straight away. And from then, your confidence yeah. grows. Uh, I found a place in London where I was very happy with. My life in London was 
great. Uh, I was enjoying life, and since the beginning, everything clicked, and and I felt that I made the right decision. It was a big footballing decision, but a big decision personally. Did you feel like you learned so much in that time then? So much. Uh, first of all, I realized that I wasn't as good in English as I thought I was. <laughs> uh, in Spain, we study English in the school, and I also took some lessons off school with practicing my English, and I thought, okay, I know this is chair, this is microphone, yeah. this is table, <laughs> I'm good with it. But when I arrived to London, to Chelsea, and to the dressing room, where Terry was speaking with Lampard, yeah. and I couldn't get the word, he was no. like, no, I need a, I need a teacher. So the, the, actually, the club put lessons to me and Oriol Romeo, another yeah. Spanish teammate at the time. We had lessons with a great guy called Peter. He was a fantastic teacher. And we improved our grammar and everything. And also, while well, you have to live in London and you have to speak with your yeah. teammates, you yeah. have to practice your English. And I improved that. And also, I, I discovered London. I only been once before, but playing football with Valencia, yeah. so you cannot see. Who did you come more. over with? Did I, your father come over with you again? I came, I think I came, I came alone, yeah. but my family came in the, in the beginning with me, yeah. my parents, my sister, and and like this. Uh, but yeah, I was alone at the time. I suppose because you had that Spanish contingency, you probably weren't worried about being on your own because you always had yeah. someone familiar. Yes, and I always had some friends, yeah. which they obviously called me every week to come, not only to see me, but to see London <laughs> and all these things. So my, my place... Lots of visitors. <laughs> yeah, visitors. So my place was like a hostel for them. <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, it was... Actually, it was quite easy because also on the pitch things were working for me mm -hmm. and um, at the end of the, that year also who's the manager then? it was Villas Boas Andres Villas Boas yeah, yeah. was the one that signed me and you know he had his faith on me unfortunately it didn't work very well for him so in I think in February or something like that uh, he got sacked Di Matteo yeah. Roberto Di Matteo was the assistant manager at the time and he took the mm -hmm. charge of the team and we ended up this season Champions winning League. the Champions League yeah. and the FA Cup. So, yeah, another master in my football career to learn, you know, that when things are bad, they can change like that yeah. for the good and the opposite. And so, yeah, again, we were winning, I was enjoying and everything was great. Mm. What was it like winning the FA Cup? Because... For us, it's a, it's a... It's a very special trophy yeah. to win, yeah. yeah. It was, first of all, it was very special to play in Wembley. Mm -hmm. Incredible stadium. I love playing there. Uh, and it was very special because it was my first trophy in England. Mm -hmm. uh, it was before the Champions League. And so, it was great. Um, we played against Liverpool. We won. That's always great. That's also positive. <laughs> and a few days after, we we were traveling to Munich to play Bayern Munich yeah. in their own stadium, and we managed to beat them. I don't know how, but we did yeah. on penalties. Uh, and so, in the space of a week, it was probably one of the best weeks of, of my life. How did you celebrate? The FA Cup little because we were gonna yeah. focus on the Champions League, but the Champions League it was incredible. I mean, it was the first time that Chelsea had won the Champions League and when we came back to London I remember going in the parade in the yeah. bus uh, around Chelsea neighbourhood and it was it was just unbelievable and I was you know with Spain also when we won the World Cup and the Euro Champions League we came back to Madrid and we did the same with the bus it's just unbelievable it's better than winning the trophy you know when you go for hours and hours through the city and there is no one single square meter yeah. empty mm -hmm. yeah. people in the wind in the windows people screaming at us and celebrating with us that was the best thing and i still have goosebumps <laughs> when i when i speak about it um so yeah i i would love to do that in here i would love to do that in mm -hmm. in front of the yeah, restaurant yeah. Oh. David, yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, that? David. David always tells me that when David de Gea, yeah. when he arrived here, I think they lost the Premier League for one point or very tight in the first season, but in the second season they won. Yeah, and he told me it was incredible going through here, yeah. everything. I was on the bus red. at the time. Were it was yeah. crazy. Of course, because Johnny crazy. was there, and everything was red, and it was just unbelievable. And I'm counting the days to be able to do that because that's the one the only real trophy you haven't got 
You've yeah, got league. so yeah. like you've got every trophy there. Yeah, just that one. Yes, yes. Not even in La Liga or in the Premier League. Uh, but that's fine. You know, it's. I would love to win oh, yeah, it, yeah. and of course, I want to win it before I finish playing. How long will you give it? How many uh, more years do you try? Maybe I play <laughs> until I'm 50 if needed. <laughs> but if I don't win it, it's all right. Also, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I, I'm not really obsessed about it. It would be very nice to have won almost everything. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, when people ask me if you have to choose one, which one will you? Is the Premier League? Which is. I'm sure this is a silly question, but sometimes we get a different answer. Which has been your favourite trophy? Obviously the World Cup, I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. but I'm sure your first trophy was very special too, the Copa del Rey. Yeah, La Copa del Rey was the first one, so it was very special. My family was in the stadium. It yeah. was in Atletico de Madrid Stadium against the Getafe. Uh, that was very special. But I have to say that like winning the World Cup is just uh, it's, it's difficult to explain. Also for the first time in Spain's history. Yeah. You know, we were almost there all the time, yeah. play, uh, playing good football, reaching quarterfinals, but never make it into semi-final or finals. And that year in South Africa, everything was like magic for us. Uh, so the moment that, first the moment that Andres Iniesta scored in their ex extra time, uh, I was in the bench and we were running towards him. I think I've never run as quick <laughs> as that sprint uh, in my life. We arrived to the corner, we were celebrating, and all I can remember is we screaming, and, and the rest was silence, because it was where yeah, all yeah. the Holland Dutch fans uh -huh, were okay. sitting. So I remember we screaming and, uh, and silence around, so it was like, wow. And then the second moment was when the referee whistled the, the end of the game, Howard Webb, uh, and that was just uh, ecstasy. It was like screaming around, I kept one ball, I wanted to yeah, keep something, yeah, yeah. so I kept one ball in my shirt, inside my shirt, and which uh, is running around and feeling we've have made history here. Mm -hmm. And also, my family, my friends were in the stands. They were minority because more than half of the stadium was uh, orange for for Holland. But I always say that it was a day that lasted 36 hours, not 24. Mm. We no won, sleep. <laughs> no sleep for whatever. We won the trophy. We celebrated in the stadium. We went to the plane. We flew back to Madrid. No sleeping in the plane. Mm -hmm. Even if you wanted, they yeah. put music. They wouldn't let you. We arrived to Madrid. Parade. We visited the royal family and the president of the country. Celebrating that night. So it was two days without any sleep. And after that, I think I was like for four or five days just... <laughs> Um, realizing what we have done, but that's probably the, fair, the the best moment of my career in terms of trophies. Yeah. And where do you keep yeah. all your medals? <coughs> my mother has them. Yeah. I'm not very good at that. I'm not no. very good at keeping memorabilia or shirts or. So what I do is, for example, I have in my house here in Manchester. I have a room where I have shirts. Yeah. But I send them to Spain, so mm. my mother organizes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, so she has the World Cup and all the trophies and because we got like miniatures yeah and the ball as well and the ball yeah, yeah. and some shirts important shirts she has them in, in their place yeah so um, just talking about your final year at uh, Chelsea obviously it's no secret you didn't play as much maybe as yeah. what you would have wanted to yeah. what was that like for you after being on a high for so long and being so successful for those years previously it was a challenge it was another challenge in, in my career. As I told you, everything felt that was going my way and felt perfect. I was uh, voted player of the year for two years in Chelsea and in the first 11 of the Premier League, um, the team of the year. And so suddenly I was not in the squad. I got injured. I didn't play as many minutes as I was used to. Um, I didn't reach my best level also in terms mm -hmm. of confidence. And that was a, a challenge for tough. me, you know, it was tough. Because How do you get through those times? There's no other way than trying to keep believing in yourself, trying to train as hard as you can and take the opportunities that, that you have. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how no. good you have done. Football is like that. Mm -hmm. And it's your next game. I didn't yeah. take anything for granted. Uh, but it's a, I think that's a good uh, advice. Never take anything for granted because one day you're here, the next day you might be in a difficult position. So I tried to, to train hard. I tried to be ready. And I was 
ready and playing more or less for uh, five months until January. And then the opportunity to come to, to Manchester United arrived. Yeah. You just seem to have such a calm temperament. I can't seem to see you losing your temper in that time or getting... I'm sure no, you were angry within. I, but I, I was really frustrated and angry and sad at times. But I'm quite tough. I'm quite... Re- but calm too, would you say you're... Calm, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm calm. I'm would your family say that? <laughs> I'm, de- I'm definitely calmer than my dad, which is there. <laughs> Sometimes I get frustrated on the pitch, yeah, also with decisions enough. and things that happen in the pitch, and you lose your temper. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I'm I'm calm, and that probably helped me also yeah, through, through the through the tough moments. Uh, did, you, did you speak to your dad about about those those yeah, moments? Yeah, of course. He was very supportive. Yeah. Everyone was very supportive, and just you know, uh, don't doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you have been playing for so well for so many years. Yeah. We all know what you are as a player and as a person. Don't let the situation bring you down, mm. and that's all they can say. But, yeah, but yeah. that's the reality, and that's what I've, what I tried to do at the time, and I think it it worked because uh, I kept going. So when you got the call about United, yes, that was that was like a yes. breath of fresh air. Yeah, that was that was a yes. Again, Did you know anything about it from summer before? From the summer before, there was yeah. some interest. Uh, but it never got. Would, would you have left then? No, because no. I didn't want. I, I wanted to see what the challenge was. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to see if. Uh, and it was also never a really, really anything else than uh, interest. Yeah. So there was not an offer. There was not. No, no. So I couldn't. Also, I didn't have the, the the real opportunity. But as the season went on and the transfer market arrived of January. Then it was an offer. Was you looking forward to and that? Yeah, and yeah. I had some other offers also, um, but I wasn't going to leave either. You know, it was like, I'm not one that wants to leave when the situation is tough. Mm-hmm. Like, it will happen after here, after yeah. sub season, and I renewed my contract again. But um, coming back to that situation, when Manchester United called and they said, we're going to go for you, we're going to make an offer to Chelsea, and we really want you to come. And I spoke uh, with them. Then it was, you know, I, I really want to to go and I really want to feel what to be a Manchester United player is. Yeah. Uh, I had suffered playing against Manchester United for some times with Chelsea. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's definitely one of the biggest clubs in the world. At the moment, we were struggling with first uh, season of David Moyes. Yeah not doing great in the league but it doesn't matter I wanted to come I wanted to feel what is to be a player for this club and that's why I, I spoke with Chelsea also and I said listen there is this offer it's also good money you can sign another player I'm you know telling yeah, yeah. you so you have time to sign another player I'm not playing a lot and I want, I want to take this opportunity and I think it's perfect for everyone and so it happened and next thing you know you're on your helicopter and right yes <laughs> One, what an entrance yes I thought I was going to take a car and that's it and then from the club they told me no no we have prepared a helicopter for you um, we want you to arrive in a helicopter where to? to Carrington okay so the day that everything was signed and I was going to come for the medical, it was very uh, windy <laughs> and rainy. And I was supposed to take the helicopter in w- next to my house in London. There was like a helicopter place, but I couldn't. So I had to go outside London and take the helicopter to, to come. And I remember that trip coming with my parents over Birmingham, seeing everything because it was low. Mm-hmm. And then at the point, I saw like a green a space with football pitches and we were going there it was red building I said okay we're landing there we landed and David Moyes was waiting for me and David De Gea was waiting for me as soon as I went in and it was very special to be honest to arrive in that way Mm -hmm. Um, had you ever been in Manchester apart from football no No. only playing only playing against City and and United uh, but no no. Never before, no. So just as you mentioned there, obviously the first season um, with David Moyes didn't exactly go to plan. Um, he ultimately 
um, got let go. How did that feel for you, knowing that he was the manager that brought you there? But I always feel bad when a manager has to go because yeah. it means that you're not doing uh, right. Yeah. Or you're not getting results. So it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's not a nice feeling. Um, so unfortunately, he had to go. Uh, but what I remember the most about that season, of course, and I'm very thankful to him, he was in the last game. Ryan Giggs was our manager at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, we always do the lap of honor, let's yeah. say, or the, yeah. you know, you say thank you and goodbye and see you next season. I was very, very afraid of that because we were seventh in the league. It's a position that Manchester United should never be. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, we're going to wave and they're going to boo us back they're going to insult and they're going to be like they should feel yeah. you know because I understand that I came from Spain and I know how things can Hostile, turn difficult yeah. Yeah. when the team is not performing and when you know I didn't want to look to the people just in case and <clears throat> I was embarrassed but at halfway I realized that they were clapping they were singing they were encouraging us saying it doesn't matter next season the next season and I was like, this is incredible. This is unbelievable. Just give me goosebumps. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> it's unbelievable to have such a fans behind you, you know? You're seventh yeah. in the league with Manchester United, having been winners mm -hmm. the year before yeah. with Alex Ferguson. Yeah. And they don't lose their patience and they say, keep going, it doesn't matter. It's like, it got me a bit emotional because I didn't expect it. Is that something you hadn't experienced before that? Never, never, because in Spain... Um, expectations are high and mm -hmm. if a big club doesn't perform mm -hmm. you know it's, uh, there's a lot yeah. of pressure on it I feel that in England fans understand more that you can lose and the defeat yeah. and they are patient and so that was the first example of I had many examples afterwards but the first, is, first example of how great and passionate and patient Man United fans are and it was unbelievable. I remember we, when we finished, I spoke with David and Rio Ferdinand. I said, this is unbelievable. They said, we knew this was going to happen because we know them. Yeah. And that was, it's just priceless. Yeah. And of course, in comes Louis van Gaal. What were your first impressions? <laughs> he was a scary. Quite a character. <laughs> he was a scary, I tell you. He was a very nice man. Very, very nice man. Very genuine. Uh, very sensible. He wouldn't expect that, mm -hmm. but he was very sensible. He could even get emotional and let some, you know, cr he was crying sometimes when he was speaking about important matters that he found, you know, with the right values or right football or something, he got emotional. But I remember the first meeting I had, we all had with him, he was in LA, we were doing a preseason tour. Yeah. And so the manager said, I want to meet you one by one in this room after dinner. I was like, okay, <laughs> everyone went, whatever, and my turn. So I arrived to the room and it was him, Ryan Giggs, a bottle of Rioja, red wine, <laughs> and three glasses. And he told me- Were you me, thinking, is this a test? Am I <laughs> supposed to? <laughs> yeah, and he was like, do you wanna have the drink? And I said, no, no, I'm fine. He's like, okay, I'll have it. So he had the drink and he said, Tell me who you are. I mean, I'm, my name is Juan. <laughs> I'm 26. I play football. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tell me who you are as a man. Do you have family? Do you have, what, what do you find important in life? Um, and then I, I remember he put like, he had like a um, paper where he had set up the tactics for the team on that year. Mm -hmm. And he was like... Uh, where do you think he will fit best here? And I was like, here? He's like, no. <laughs> here? No. <laughs> so he, <clears throat> we had, we had uh, trained that preseason with five. It was five in the bag. Yeah. Two, one, number 10. And he put me in that number 10. And he was like, you're going to play here. And I was like, great. I didn't want to put it myself, but yeah, I think. Yeah. And so from that moment, you realize he can look scary in the face to face because also he goes too close to you mm -hmm. and it's like <laughs> but after that he's very warm and, yeah. and um, genuine man and and so Ryan Giggs was there like 
trying to hold his. <laughs> Did you feel like love. you learned a lot from him, though? Yes, very much. Uh, he used to tell us after games, try to go and sign for the fans. Don't get in your cars and leave. I received this morning a letter from a mother that thanks me personally because you, you, and you. The other day went to see his kids somewhere. So he was more than a football manager, yeah, and, yeah. you know, with his tactics. He was a great human being, mm -hmm. and I learned a lot mm -hmm. from him in that sense. Um, and we had some good moments also, qualifying for Champions League and winning the FA Cup, yeah. which I felt it was very important for us and for him. And um, yeah. Um, and you personally had some incredible moments under him as well. Yes, yes. Some great uh, goals. Yeah, I think, I mean, he was the manager when we played at Anfield and mm -hmm. I scored that bicycle kick and he was celebrating. Did you, did you realise when you, when you went to Anfield for the first time with United? Yeah, yeah. About the, yeah, yeah, how yeah. it's going to be. Did you speak to the lads or, because so I suppose you, with Chelsea it'd be a little bit different. Yeah, it's, a it's, certain it's different. Hatred. But um, you realise even in the training ground, hmm. if, we, if you play a Sunday against Liverpool from the Monday before, yeah. Mike, the chef, everybody the girls in the canteen, everyone is like, make sure on Sunday, yeah, rest well and make sure that you're ready for Sunday. So you realize it's a special game. Yeah. And going as a Manchester United player to Anfield, winning and scoring mm -hmm. that goal and two goals that day, it was, it was one of, of my best days as a, as a football player, definitely as a Manchester United player, yeah. but as a football player in general. And the rivalry between both, mm -hmm. I think is great. It's great for English football, it's great for both of us. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you be at Anfield or Old Trafford, it's always special to score against them, to, to beat them. And, and so, yeah, he was our manager at that time. And, and we had, we played for, for many moments, very good football under him also, you know. Uh, and it was also sad to see him leave, uh, of course, because of how he was as a man, yeah. too. Yeah. Did he say anything about that the way, as he was leaving? Because you just won the FA Cup, like you said. It was after the FA Cup, right? Yeah. If I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, he had a speech in yeah. which he thanked us for winning the trophy and how happy he was. And I don't think he knew mm -hmm. uh, that if he was going to continue or not yeah. so it wasn't the proper farewell yeah uh, but it was an emotional speech and yeah after that of course we exchanged messages and mm -hmm. things but uh, it was it was sad uh, to see him especially because how how he was as, as a man yeah yeah and of course next Jose Mourinho obviously there's been loads of talk uh, over the years the last few years yeah. Uh, between you and him and people speculating what did you actually feel at that time were you nervous no I wasn't nervous I was feeling like those six months at Chelsea where I stayed I was feeling let's go for it mm -hmm. you know let's go for it uh, I didn't play as much as I will will have liked to against him uh, with, with him yeah. in Chelsea but you know football changes and mm -hmm. Chelsea squad is different to United squad and did he, you speak to each other about it or no nothing no. so so many people was asking yeah, me yeah. what did you say in the <laughs> beginning I was like actually we spoke about Manchester and a game that Barcelona had played a few days ago and football and from now on it was a completely mm -hmm. normal and good yeah. relationship between yeah. us uh, the respect is mutual and we never had any personal problem no. The situation was a football situation. He played in a certain way. Of course, yeah, yeah. That maybe didn't suit perfectly my qualities as a player, and that's it. Mm. But some, sometimes it happens in football. But my mentality was, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try, I'm going to... My family was a bit scared. Uh, the fans were telling me, what are you going to do? But I had clear in my mind that I'm going to stay and I'm going to prove that I can play much more than what people think. And I did. And it's one of the things that I feel very proud in my career, yeah. to have made that decision, testing myself, yeah. and keep going and, you know, playing at, at the end. The, the Carabao Cup final, the Europa League final, and playing, feeling an important player in the squad, which 
that's how I felt before and how I felt with him. You have to have strong mentality to do that, though. Do you think, Mosey? I think so, yeah. yeah. Very strong Probably mentality. Probably the easiest decision will have been living. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and of course. And it's like, okay, maybe he's... Yeah, but then you're running away, aren't you? I'm not like that no, at no, all. That's what so yeah. I, I just wanted to. I believed in myself, and probably that's been strong. Yes, mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's the way I am, and I wanted to be at the time. And yeah. So I, after many months, and you know, being second in the league and winning some trophies with him also, with the commu- with the Community Shield also. Can I just ask you about the Community Shield? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you came on and came off. <laughs> yeah. Again. A lot of, uh, how do you say, controversy. Yeah, or, uh, rumors and stuff, yeah. Listen, I went in the pitch. I think we scored or something like that. And then we had another change, another substitution. And I know Jose, and he told me from the, from the bench, I'm going to take you off again because I want to put a taller guy because they're going to kick the ball long. Oh. And... You know, I know him because yeah. I know how he thinks, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. And I said, "Fine, they probably do that, so they probably this guy probably can help more than me." I don't know who came in my position. I didn't feel humiliated at no. all. You know, some people were saying, "Well, I don't." I think that it was just tactic for you. Yeah, tactic, yeah, yeah. Of course, I didn't like it, and yeah. I was frustrated because I went in the pitch and yeah, ten yeah. minutes no or whatever it was off, no. coming off again. It happened with Everton not long ago against us. That's right. With Moise King, the striker, mm-hmm. I think yeah. he came in and yeah, yeah. on and off. Duncan, it happened with Duncan Ferguson when it was Everton. Yeah, yeah. A few Twice, weeks ago. I think. Yeah. So, but, but that was the thing. People were saying, "Oh, the humiliation." I didn't feel humiliated. So I knew, I know how he is. Yeah. I know that he will do anything to win and. He believed at the time that they were going to kick it long. And yeah. even though I could help, <laughs> maybe someone could help more than me. And we won. And after that, as we could see, I kept playing and nothing happened. So, yeah. Did you, do you find that frustrating that sometimes you can't just come out and say what you want to say? Sometimes it's easier to say nothing, isn't it? When people are saying, you know... That's, yeah, it's frustrating when, when you read or when your, my granddad called me I've heard this. I've heard that you're going to give your number eight to someone else and you have, you have agreed with the manager that you will play less. I said, how could I have agreed that? Don't believe that. But he calls me, you know, and that's the difficult thing, to yeah. keep your family and your friends calm. Yeah. If something is going to happen, I will call you first. Yeah. Mm. But don't worry. But it's very difficult when he lives in Spain and he watches <laughs> TV and... But it's frustrating because you cannot yeah. stop everything that is being written. So, you, yeah, you can every single day put a tweet saying this is fake, yeah. this is not true, this is... You, yeah, you can't day. live your life I like prefer that. to no. stay away and when it's needed because it's something really serious, then you really yeah. say it. So more trophies under uh, Jose, more to add to that cabinet that you have. It's a successful time yeah. um, in terms of trophies. Yeah, we've won the Community Shield, we won mm-hmm. the League Cup, mm-hmm. and we won the Europa League yeah. final, which was very important because, thankfully, after winning that, we went through the Champions League. Otherwise, we wouldn't have played Champions League yeah. the following season. It was my second Europa League also. Yeah. Um, and it was very special. I was injured, I came back. You know, it was nice to play from the beginning, to feel important in that final, and... It was uh, it was good in terms of trophies, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, but after that, again, changes, and I don't know how many managers I had I in know, my career. Just to say. <laughs> a lot. Uh, and what do you? What's your um, opinion, or what was it when Oli first arrived? Had you heard much about him as a manager? Of course, I heard much about him as a player. Yeah. About that goal, about yeah. the many. You probably goals. watched him yeah. on Saturday mornings yes. on Channel Two. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> Um, so we had a meeting between us, the team, and they said, listen, uh, it's probably that uh, Ole is going to come. He's going to take care of the team until the end of the season. And mm-hmm. he's coming from Molde in uh, Norway. And, you know, as soon as he came in, you could see the positivity. You could see the Man United DNA. You could see he knew everyone. He felt like a proper United fan. And yeah. And he was happy and smiley and, you know, full of energy. Mm-hmm. And until today. So uh, we, we stay with him and I think that's a good sign mm-hmm. of things going okay. 
And when you knew that he was coming, how did you did you think I'm going to play a lot? What were you thinking at that time? I think in, in your career, every time that a new and you could say the same, I think every time that a new manager comes is a new challenge. Yeah. And everything that you have done, it doesn't count no. anymore. You have to start from zero. And we had a conversation. A glass of red wine? Uh, no, <laughs> this time. And less scary this time. Uh, and not as personal also. But we spoke about my role, mm -hmm. how he saw me as a player, and a normal conversation that you have yeah. with a new manager coming. Um, and that was all. And yeah, we have a good relationship, yeah. And I'm sure he really relies on you. You're a senior player, obviously, at the club. You've been there for a long time. How does that feel to be in that role? Do you enjoy that? Yeah, I will enjoy it more to be at 20 years old. But uh, <laughs> I think it's good because it makes you see football in a different way with more perspective and, of course, with more experience. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel young, honestly, in my body and in my mind. But obviously, I've been playing in the club and in the English football and professionally for 12, 13 years now. And so that gives me experience to, you know, especially in difficult situations, uh, behave in a certain way or give advice mm -hmm. to the youngers or something like that. And I think he values that also. Uh, me as a player, what I can give on the pitch, but also yeah. that I will try my best off the pitch for the new players that come, like now Bruno and Odeon, yeah. for the youngsters that come through the academy, like Brandon, Chongi, Angel and Jimmy. And um, Do they come to you for ex advice as well? or It's not that they come straight, no. but sometimes we're having conversations yeah. about things and I give my input and they listen and things like that. Does that take you back to any time in your career when you was the similar age and you'd have the senior pros? Yeah, yeah. As you said about Rude. Yes, when I was in Valencia after that Rude conversation, I was in Valencia when I was 19 and I was seated in the dressing room next to David Villa. Yeah, and he's from Asturias where I'm from also mm -hmm. so he was like a big brother for me at mm -hmm. the time he was taking care of me and I think you always need someone mm -hmm. to support you at specific times and important times in your life especially when you're new to a you know professional dressing room yeah. you come as a youngster from the academy like Marcus Rafford came mm -hmm. in the beginning he was shy and he was and now he yeah. he's uh, more mature and um, I think it's important to have this balance in a team where you have the, you know, the energy and the enthusiasm of the youngers and the experience of and knowledge yeah. of, of the experienced ones, not the old ones, yeah. the experienced ones. <laughs> I must ask you about your book as well, which you've recently written. What was that like as an experience? It was a very difficult experience. It was, I wouldn't recommend writing a book to you. <laughs> uh, if you've done it, I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> It took long. Um, you write many things that you're not sure you want to tell them that way and you change them and you're, you're full of doubts. Yeah. Especially when you write when you still play football. Most yeah. people write when they retire. Which is easier, right? Yeah, yeah, so sometimes you don't want to say something in case, yeah. yeah. But this book was different. It was more... The idea behind the book was more of telling my experience exactly about what we've spoken yeah. before. The process between being a kid with a dream mm -hmm. becoming professional and when you actually get into professionalism and you become a football player and everything that went through in my life on and off the pitch I try to explain in, in that book with experiences with managers my personal life my thoughts as a player in difficult moments also in regards to media yeah. and interviews and so it's it's you know it's a first uh, side of what I've lived and uh, that was the idea behind the, the book it was a difficult process to write it and be sure you know and, and the editor at the end said listen we're gonna go tomorrow if you don't send oh, tomorrow no. the final <laughs> transcript you you will be in trouble so uh, I did you, stay up reading you need someone all night. <laughs> also you need someone to push you to <laughs> to publish and uh, but I was happy I'm happy it's I think it speaks about myself the way I want it mm -hmm. um, people that have read it says that it's like speaking to me which I think is a good That's compliment good. 
And so I'm, I'm happy with it. And it's a different way of communicating with yeah. whoever mm-hmm. wants to read it. We did a podcast with Berber. Yeah. Dimitar, and he said about his, his book. Yeah. Because he, he did his in Bulgarian. Yeah. But then he's translating it to English. And? But he wanted it to come yeah, over in the right way. Yeah. Because he's not... Lost it's, in translation. He doesn't get lost. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't mean the same what you want to say in English yeah. than in Spanish, for yeah. example. So you have to rewrite it. And... Yeah. yeah, just one word might be wrong and it and takes a And then it's not the way you yeah. want to no. say it and things like that, yeah. The name is Suddenly a Footballer, which is... It's not suddenly in many ways because, as I told you, when I was three or four, I was dreaming already. Yeah. But from one night to the uh, next day, you get professional. And that's what is quick. And that's a big change that happens suddenly. And that's why the, the title. Did you come up with that yourself? Yeah. yeah Did yeah. you have any more titles? Yeah. For more books. Or for no, 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 just for the same book. Did you have any? Ah. Or did, was it just... Yeah, I wasn't very sure no. also about the title. So until the last day I was speaking with the editors. Uh, I'm not sure because it's, they were... It's good. Yeah. Just it's okay it. and it's yours. So <laughs> let's... If you want to speak now about a title, it takes another month. Yeah. So no. So yeah. yeah. So that was it. Yeah. Talk to us about Common Goal then. Obviously you started this uh, a few years ago. How's yeah. it going? Yeah, it's and going, for anybody who doesn't understand it's, it's, the concept, it's going, yeah, it's going very well. Um, Common goal is a movement that uh, we have created from us, from the players and the managers, and uh, almost everyone that is involved in professional football, um, with the aim of connecting professional football as the sport we know it with football as a social tool for change. Uh, I mean, football is incredible—the power the football has around the world. And we wanted to do something that connects both the sport, the platform that we have, the financial resources that football has with with football changing lives, and to do it in a consistent way, in a transparent way, in an efficient way. And we came up with the idea of the 1%. So each member of Common Goal pledged 1% of our salaries to organizations that use football to, to help mainly children around uh, many countries in the world. And it has been very good since the beginning. It's now over two and a half years. I started myself, being the first member to join. Now we are over 140 and um, growing and growing and having meaningful relationships and conversations with different parts of professional football. How do you spread the word about it then with other players? Just speaking Just to them and telling them what the idea is about. And to be honest, it's not easy when you play football and you know it to step aside yeah. and have the time to think about this is something nice that at least personally is giving yeah. me a deeper meaning mm-hmm. of what being a football player is more than winning trophies or mm-hmm. scoring a goal. Sure. I think this is something more important and sometimes it's difficult for us football players to to do that and to think and say I'm going to involve myself in that because what I want to do is win on Wednesday and win mm-hmm. on Sunday and play yeah. and and so I spread the word just doing this and we have a team in Common yeah. Goal which of course communicates with football players with agents and with whoever wants to know because the aim is to build the biggest football club in the world for good for football for good and we are on our way and it's been very nice the reception from fans from media and from everyone so I think it's a nice idea and I think it's it's easy for us because it doesn't take any time Mm -hmm. and it only takes 1% which it doesn't mean every one of us could live with 99% of what we have right and so that's the idea behind it would you ever get any other sports involved? that's another another question Yeah, yeah because we have been receiving calls from uh, other industries, not only sports, but mm-hmm. music also. And I think it's it will be great, you know, because our dream is to set it as a standard for football. Mm-hmm. So one percent of the profits that football generates goes directly to social causes. And I think that's achievable, and that's something doable, and and that can help many people. That's mm-hmm. why we started all this. Fantastic. So you will probably be involved in that after you hang up your yeah. bits. What yeah. what else? Does the future hold for you? I have no clue. <laughs> do you think about it all the time? What will uh, I do when I retire? Coaching? <laughs> some days yes, some days no. Have I'm you done your badges? No, not yet. No. So first I will <laughs> have yeah. to. I've 
I definitely want to be involved in Common Goal even after playing yeah. because I think that's something that will last forever. Uh, coaching, I don't know. I no. think it's I think it's a very demanding job. Uh, your life depends on a result. If you win, you're happy. If you don't win, you're not mm -hmm. happy. And you're so I, I have to think about it. Um, if you ask me one day, I will tell you, no, nothing with football. I want to live life and travel. Yeah. And, but after some time, I think you feel the need of coming back to what you know best, which mm -hmm. in my case is yeah. football because I've been playing since I was a kid. So probably something in football. I don't know if coaching. I don't know if another position within the football world. Uh, but I love football. I love watching football. Yeah. I love watching players. I love playing football. So probably something with football, yes. What? I don't know. Anyone you can think of, Juan, that we should talk to? Who would be good as a podcast guest? It's obvious that uh, I think Sir Alex Ferguson will be great. Also, it comes to my mind, I'm not sure she will want because she's shy, but Kat, she works in reception for oh over, over 50 wow. years in the training round. She's shout. not very keen on cameras, though, but if you make it a... Yeah, we'll, we'll tell her there's no cameras. <laughs> but I think anything. she will be great because she's got more stories than anyone else. Yeah. So, yeah. Kath, please do it. <laughs> wow, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I must just ask Thank you, you, will you subscribe to our podcast? Yes. Well, you said and you actually, you gave one. me an idea. Maybe I do a podcast after football with you guys. Oh, so right, I can there you go. Here. Great. We've never go. been interviewed. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thanks. That was a fantastic podcast, Maisie. Why are you whispering? I don't know, am I? <laughs> I feel All like right. my microphone's far away. <laughs> that was an incredible podcast, incredible person. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from um, growing up as a young kid, uh, following his dad in his dad's footsteps, getting to Real Madrid, having uh, worrying thoughts and stuff like that. But then, you know, the Real Madrid team he was he was going into, I was looking to step into. You know, Bex was there, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bex, Rude, Ronaldo, unbelievable players. And I, you know, some of the stories he's got are, are absolutely amazing. They mm. really are. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that one. And as I said to him in the podcast, he just comes across so calm. Do you get that from him? Yeah, yeah. And because I think I think the way he's he's been brought up in his life, he has that steely determination as well to yeah. um, inner, to succeed. Inner strength, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, the setbacks he's had, he's always looked at as a challenge. And I think that, that gives him um, great credit um, to him and to his family. I really, really enjoyed it. And let's hope he does get that final trophy for his cabinet. Fingers crossed he gets the <laughs> Premier League next year. I think he can keep going and going and going. Uh, that is all we have time for this week. We will be back next week with another episode, of course, to make sure you uh, are subscribed so you receive that as soon as it is available. If you're new to the podcast, then why not go back and listen to all the amazing episodes in our back catalogue. If there's anyone you would like to hear from in future episodes, Matt has suggested Kath. Kath would one. be fantastic. Yep. It really would. But I think we always keep going back to the... Sir Alex mum. Everybody's suggesting him. Yeah. But if there's anybody you at home would like to hear from, why not get in touch? United Podcast at manunited.co.uk. UTD Podcast at manunited.co.uk. That address is in the show notes if you do need it. And as always, we would really appreciate if you could rate and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. See you next time. Bye for now.